Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Easy Conversations podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host, Furtan Dandia. In this week's episode, I'm excited to welcome Dr. Rula. Rula is a medical doctor and life coach based in London. She works as a GP in primary care and a hospital as a doctor, looking after patients experiencing homelessness. In her coaching, she works with people with trauma, stress, and anxiety history. Her coaching practice is based mainly on her self-development journey, one that she's been on since she was a teenager when she started looking for answers and wondering why life felt so hard at times. Through her work, she gets to share everything she's learned. Her soul's purpose has always been to ease the suffering of another human being and to help break the cycle of transgenerational trauma. In this episode, Rula shares her journey of wanting to become a coach and help people with trauma. Rula and I discuss how it can often manifest as physical pain if we do not attend to emotional pain. We also touch on spiritual healing and why that is something we both value. You can find Rula on Instagram at The Meditating Medic. And if at the end of the episode, you could leave a five-star review, I would truly appreciate it. All right, Rula, welcome to the Easy Conversations podcast. Thank you for joining me today and uh, giving me the opportunity to have this conversation. I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about. But uh, before we get started, I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself, tell the listeners what it is that you do, and uh, a little bit about your journey, and then uh, we'll get into our conversation. Thank you so much, Rukan. Thank you so much for having me and for allowing me to be part of this conversation and for allowing me to have a voice. I am so, so grateful and honoured and feel privileged to be here with you. So a little bit about me. So my name is Rilla and I'm based in the UK. So I'm from London. I was kind of born and bred here. And um, my parents are Iraqi. So they grew up in different parts of the Middle East. And that's definitely kind of uh, growing up in two different, very, two very different cultures, one in home and one outside home, has definitely been a big part of my journey. And I am both a medical doctor and a life coach. So I've had a huge professional journey and a huge personal journey. Um, so I qualified as a doctor from London. I initially trained as an anaesthetist and intensivist, and then I went on to train in cancer medicine before I started working as a GP. So I now work <clears throat> in a clinic in London part of my week as a GP part of my week I work in a hospital with homeless people and I teach at a medical school and then a huge part of my week is coaching and I coach people in all different sorts of things and I really I I I was led to become a coach through my personal journey so I was always kind of I was one of those kids that did really well at school it was really easy for me to kind of get the grades and exams would they just seemed pretty simple for me but then kind of the rest of life I felt like I struggled with Um, I was like, I can do exams, I can do school, but I can't do the rest of life and the rest of the world. So I I struggled with like confidence and with like body image and eating stuff and with relationships and with kind of finding my own peace and my own happiness. Um, I struggled with stuff around race, um, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. So my personal development journey really started as a teenager when I started questioning everything, reading about everything. Um, and then at, when I was at university at medical school, I actually did the Landmark Forum and that was probably, I did a few of their courses and then I went on to do lots and lots of other self-development courses 
Um, I've had a couple of therapists. I've probably had about 15 or so coaches. I've done all of Tony Robbins programs, done, done group programs, done stuff to do with food, done stuff to do with relationships, done stuff just to do with me and my, my stuff. So yeah, it's been an amazing journey. And it was about seven years ago when I had this amazing one-to-one session with a coach. And I just, there was just this whisper. There was just this fire within me that I was like, I have to become a life coach. And I could never, I could never get rid of that fire. I could, that whisper just got louder and louder and louder. And then, and yeah, and now I work with people and I absolutely love it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, and and I, sorry, what's that? Sorry, long, long answer to your question. No, no, that's great. No, I, yeah, I appreciate that. And, and I think I can relate to the whole kind of having a different culture at home um, and then kind of having this other culture where you're, whether you're in school or, or around friends, because I, I mean, I'm, my parents are first generation immigrants too here in Canada. But um, do you feel like part of your own personal development journey is what guided you, as you mentioned, to want to become a coach and, and help others? And, and what areas do you really focus on? Um, it, it's For me, the reason why I'm really interested is because to be a, a practicing doctor and then to make that shift and, and do both, it, it's very interesting. So is there more light you can shed on why you were so compelled to, to take on this coaching journey as well in parallel? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, it's a great question because often, I mean, I think science and self-development and science and spirituality, I think they go together perfectly. I think they go together perfectly, but often you can feel, you can experience them as kind of conflicting worlds. It was definitely my personal journey. There was always, from a little girl, from like six, seven, eight years old, I'd watch documentaries or I'd just see, you know, parts of documentaries on TV and I always was like, I want to serve the world that always felt a big part of my identity. Um, and I definitely get to do a lot of that as a doctor and also as a coach, it just attracts very different people. So I'm grateful for both because it means that I'm working with such a diverse group of people and with people from all walks of life. Like some of my patients have never heard of coaching. They would, it's it's nowhere near, it's not on their, they're, you know, they're struggling to make ends meet. They would never hire, hire a life coach. But then I get to work a bit more deeply, um, differently, I would say not deeply, differently with, with, with the people I coach. But it was definitely my personal journey that that got me to coaching. Um, and it feels like, it just felt like such a calling. And it was because the self-development, the spiritual, the coaching world made such a huge difference to my, to my personal life, um, to me dealing with like my own personal struggles and then being like, oh, I, I need to share this. I've learned this in my lifetime. I've healed this or I'm healing this. And absolutely like, I must share it. There's no point in 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 dying with it, so to speak. Um, and I think I really, what I really focus on is, first of all, it's a lot about creating a, a safe space for you to just be so vulnerable and be human. And it's just kind of about about it making it less scary to be a human, making it less scary to be a human with X Y Z going on, um, making it a space where there is no silence, there's no secrecy, there's no judgment, where there is no shame. You can you can say your deepest darkest thoughts and it's all okay, um, it's permitted. Uh, it can all be loved. It can all be healed. Um, and so, I a lot a lot yeah. I focus on on really what's present, on really what's stopping people, on really what they're 
what they're experiencing deep shame around um on their pain we like we go through their pain we go straight towards the pain yeah we spend so much of our lives avoiding and numbing and distracting and going for the easy buttons and actually like as one of my favorite authors says we are made for pain we're not made for the easy buttons we're made we're made for pain Mm -hmm. Um, and just transforming that pain into into a gift uh it can take us towards our calling towards our desires um and so in everything in everything it's kind of it's kind of all of the same more of the same no matter what you're struggling with there's there's always it's always the same underneath it's like a fear of being unworthy and unlovable um and not enough and being worthless and being like what's the point what's the point of me um fear of rejection abandonment it's it's however it presents on the surface underneath it's it's a lot of that kind of the human struggle yeah, right so which is uh yeah no thank you for for sharing that and and which is very true we're all kind of having our own uh human experience but below the surface often the fear or the need as you mentioned is is the same for all of us um and to your point when you start speaking that fear or or like you said that deepest darkest secret we no longer are giving that secret power over us we've taken power by by speaking it out loud and the more mm-hmm. we're able to talk about it the less power mm-hmm. that fear has um, mm-hmm. is that something you've experienced yourself and or the people that you work with is that something they experience once they start speaking about it because I've seen that with the people I work with or, or the groups I attend. As soon as it's put on the table, it has no more power over us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I totally, completely agree with you that when there's like secrecy and silence, that, that, that thing has so much power. And actually sometimes it just being shared and it being okay, someone else being able to receive it and be okay with it, can just be hugely, hugely transformative. Um, just that sharing, just that experience of, of sharing and being vulnerable and being connected with someone in that way. And I definitely, yeah, I've experienced that where I was like, I've shared vulnerably with a coach or with a friend and I'm like, oh, I'm, and I'm still alive and I'm still lovable and you still love me and you're still okay with me and you still accept me. Yeah. Um, and I'm not the only one who has these thoughts and feelings and these experiences. Sometimes we think we can be alone in our pain and our fear. And then so, because we think we're the only one, we try and cover it up even more, keep right. covering and covering it up. And that just, yeah, adds to the problem. It's like icing over, over a mud cake. For sure. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned pain and and I wanted to explore that a bit more. Um, so So as being a medical doctor and now doing kind of, both as a spiritual aspect of healing and helping people. Do you see an overlap of pain, whether it's emotional and physical? And what are the things that you have found in in terms of the work, not only that you've done with yourself, but the work you do with others when it comes to that pain? So pain, I've really over the over the years changed my like relationship to pain. And obviously we can categorize pain and physical pain and emotional pain and mental pain and psychological pain and spiritual pain. Um, 
but I've really changed my relationship to it. And now when the, when pain comes, it's like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Let's get curious. What is, what is this about? And, and pain is really always, I think it's always a messenger. And I mean, like just as a really simple example, you put, you put your finger in fire, it hurts, <laughs> you feel the pain on your finger and you're immediately, you know, you don't even think about it. You withdraw, you know, you withdraw your finger, you take your finger out of the pain and, you know, you have an inflamed appendix. You experience like abdominal pain and that tells you, okay, I'm feeling something, something's up, the body's telling you, go, go and see a doctor, go and get help. And, and then there's obviously a lot of chronic pain that people experience that I see in a lot of my patients that have been through trauma where they've had, they have been to a doctor, they have had a lot of investigations and it's pain that's not perceived as, let's say, there isn't any tissue damage, there isn't like an inflamed appendix or, you know, you don't have a, a burn on your skin, but right. pain, the, the brain is perceiving pain. It's absolutely, it's always, I, I, it's always real. The pain is always real. The, the brain, for some reason, is perceiving pain. And so that shouldn't be, that is not something to be ignored that's actually something that i i think we need to like run towards and then of course there can be emotional pain the pain of whatever it is that you're struggling with rejection abandonment loneliness and that pain even that pain in itself can feel can feel physical and when we experience that pain obviously it's not comfortable it can feel unpleasant it can feel like i need to run from this because i can't take this emotional pain and so obviously we numb with all the usual stuff like food and alcohol and smoking and drugs and unhealthy relationships and scrolling and internet and gambling and porn. And then the pain is just is still there, it's still there, it's still there. I often say it's like it's like having some dirty dishes in the sink and we're trying to ignore them, we're trying to ignore them. And actually sometimes we just need to go and face the dishes and start cleaning them. To, to, you know, to clean your house, you need to find the dirt. And um, and when you're going through like that emotional pain, the rejection, the abandonment, the loneliness, all that sort of stuff, we think that that pain can will overcome us. We think that we won't be able to handle it. So we're trying now, we're trying to hide from it. And I certainly did that. And I remember the first moment where I'm just like, I just sat with it. I just sat with it. I just sat with it. I felt it in my body. I felt it inside me. And it was so much easier than avoiding it, than numbing from it, than distracting. It was so much easier. And it just softened. And then I just went deeper and was like, well, what is this trying to teach me? What are my limiting beliefs? What are my beliefs about myself? What are my deepest, darkest fears that I really like manifesting? Manifesting is a sphere. And for me, it's definitely rejection. I just even hated the word. Yeah. I was like, I can be alone, loneliness, embarrassment, like rejection was just, yeah, among one of my many, many fears. Yeah. Um, and, and you can just approach that with kind of like also like a softness. Mm -hmm. And some, we all on some level can feel unworthy, can fear rejection, abandonment. Some people it's just hugely defended. It's just mm -hmm. really, really covered. It's harder to find and some people it's it's more obvious yeah yeah no uh 
and the one word that came for me while you were sharing that was was compassion because I think uh, for ourselves, right? And and part of the thing is we often, to your point, avoid that pain, whether it's rejection or abandonment or even just digging deeper t- into what the source of the pain is because a lot of the times we're, we're just, we've never experienced something like that, whether it's uh, potentially even a relationship ending and we'll try to avoid that pain because, again, the, the fear of what that pain could look like is scary. And, and for me, looking back, I try not to be hard on myself. Like you said, you you need to have a little bit of softness there. And that's where the compassion comes in because Mm. it's not something you've experienced. You're figuring it out. And Mm. often the other things I've found is the, the physical pain itself, there's sometimes really no root to the physical pain. And what I mean by that is often we will create life situations where that physical pain is trying to tell us something and we'll continue to avoid it. Like you said, we'll try to numb it. So, and and one of the things uh, I think the book of the body keeps the score has come up uh, a few times in in this podcast as well with various guests, but that's essentially the, the essence of the book is to talk about, you know, whether it's trauma we're storing or, or any form of uh, pain that we're carrying around, uh, emotional pain, it often shows up as physical pain. And um, yeah, so I don't know what your thoughts are around that. And, and looking back, do you feel like there were situations where, you know, you were encountering things and you just didn't know what, what the source of the pain was, but until you didn't heal yourself, you, you, you didn't realize Mm. Yeah, I think, I think, you're, yeah, I think definitely, I think you're right. And I definitely see that in, in patients, especially in cultures where it's kind of not so acceptable to talk about feelings or mental health or trauma, or the fact that like, tra- tra- so much trauma has happened on a personal and collective and societal level that hasn't been processed. And, um, and it, and it manifests as physical pain. Um where there isn't, like I said, like there isn't maybe tissue damage, but the pain, the, the pain centers in the brain are being triggered. Um, and that definitely, like you said, it's like, you know, the body speaks to us and then when we don't listen, the, the messages get louder and louder and louder. Um, and for me, um, definitely like the, the message, there's, it's been a message like pay attention to me, like look after me, like notice what you're doing. Um, and I have had quite a um, up and down relationship with food and like with body image. Mm-hmm. And so I've experienced quite a lot of pain in my gut and my stomach in the past. And I just, I look back and I have so much compassion for for the girl, for the woman that did, did all that stuff to her mm-hmm. body in the name of, survival in the name of like if I control my weight and how I look then everything will be okay people will love and accept me have so much compassion for her it was a survival tool Mm -hmm. and like the body was telling me like this is not right it's not right to like not eat for a week and then completely binge and then feel shame around binge and then do something to compensate for it um 
that's not kind of the stability that the gut needs, the stability that the body needs in in getting like constant nourishment. So that is one example of how like yeah, I had like a physical pain in my body from like tummy pains, and and I'd feel so annoyed with my body, and I feel so angry with it. Like why are you in pain? Like we need to go out. We need to like do stuff. Yeah. And um and now it's just the body is completely on your side the body is team you even if you are experiencing chronic pain the body nothing fights for your survival like like your body like 24 7 it's just trying to get you to survive and to notice and trying to get you to give it what it needs it's obviously not always successful and you know we we are not immortal and and it's it's just constantly giving us messages and what we in those moments it's like yeah it's to soften and be like thank you for this message I'm going to talk to you I'm going to communicate whether that's physical pain or emotional pain or psychological pain I'm going to listen and I'm going to try and this pain was meant for me and you can come in and you can stay until you've taught me what you need to talk me I don't need to be ashamed of you or angry at you or mad at you or try and get you to go away you can be here it can sit with this fear, with this anxiety, with this stress, with this overwhelm, with this sadness. It can sit with you. This was meant for me. This was part, this is part of my journey. It was all, it was all meant for me. It was all part of my journey. And when someone comes to me and they're like, I'm struggling with this, I'm like, yes, because I've struggled with that too. And and it's just a, you know, a one human connecting with another human. And it's definitely like pain is a guiding force. It's a catalyst you go it's it is the road pain is the road pain is the way if you go towards your fear and your pain then there's only so much there are so many gifts and magic on the other side and it it brings us towards our desires really and it's definitely my yeah my for example that example of physical pain has just helped me just get so in tune with my body and have such a beautiful um nourishing joyful relationship with my body and that's that was my journey to get there and I'm grateful for my journey yeah and 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 the the beauty of it is I think you know again it's easier to look at at hindsight and be like oh I wish I had been more in tune uh before in the past when I was experiencing these physical ailments and all that kind of stuff but I think with experience we often learn that okay well (laughs) I'm this physical pain was meant to tell me something. And and I've come to the point now, and again, I'm not really good at it. It's a work in progress. But I I can tell now when my body is reacting when I'm in out of alignment with something. And and that out of alignment often is emotional or spiritual. And I feel it in my body, which is very interesting. But at the same time, it's it's listening to your body. And often when I know I'm pushing myself too hard or or I'm, again, out of alignment, I need to give myself that rest and, and heal, whether it's mm-hmm. physically or emotionally. And it all often shows up together for me. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something normal? And is that common? Has that been your experience? Mm. That the emotional stuff comes up as a physical sensations. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. hundred percent. And I've had some people have said to me, like, 
that when they're going through like a breakup, they're like, it's physical. It feels physical. I actually had one patient who said to me, my anxiety is different because mine is physical. I feel it in my body. And we all do. We all do. Like the body is an amazing messenger. Um, and we feel it. We might feel it in chest tightness or the heart racing or a lump in the throat or a constriction in the throat, like a tension in the head, a heaviness in the shoulders. Um, when we're going through something emotional or spiritual like absolutely and that's just like the body being like hey hey pay attention yeah go inwards and then the message might be like you need to rest you need to or like it might be something simple like look look after me in terms of my physical needs or it might be something more it might be like okay this is coming up because i'm in a relationship with someone and i'm I've gone into my fight and flight because the last time I was in a relationship, they left me and I remember the rejection. I remember the abandonment. And so this is coming up again. And so it's okay. It's like, that's, this is my work now. It's giving yeah. me a sign. This is my work. My work is to heal this rejection wound or this abandonment wound. It's, and the body is, is telling me that through its, its physical sensations and its, its signals. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then what is it that you help people with and, and what have you done for yourself in terms of that transforming that pain or trauma, whether it's through spiritual work or, or emotional healing, what are some things that work in those cases when, when you're experiencing those types of pain? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I think the first thing is like awareness. It's like awareness. It's like, okay, because sometimes we can be so numb to how, to our pain and our fear and our trauma, we can be so numb to it. Um, it's like somebody can have an alcohol problem, but if they're not aware, they're not able to say, okay, this is a problem for me, I need help, then that's not going to get better. So I think the first thing is just awareness. It's just shining light on something and sometimes just doing that can be huge. Um, for me, it was like awareness, like, okay, um, this, these things keep recurring in my life. These keeps happening over and over. I'm the common denominator. I'm not to blame, but how am I at cause? How can I take responsibility? So it's like just awareness, responsibility, and then asking for help. I was, there were times in my life where I was like, oh my God, I'm, I feel so, I'm in such a dark place, but no one can know because I'm meant to be a doctor, I'm meant to be the person helping helping other people. And I remember having that thought, no one can know. And actually it was like the opposite, like everyone, not everyone needed to know, but I needed, I needed to like ask for help. And that's often part of doing the work, but absolutely you don't have to do it alone. So it's like awareness, responsibility, and asking for help in therapists, in coaching, in the spiritual or self-development world. And if we're not ready to ask for help, then there are so many people that are publicly healing from things that we're privately struggling with. And it's going to them, watching their journey, watching their videos, reading their books, whether you're like a teacher who has an alcohol problem, a doctor who has a drug addiction, you know, a mother who is depressed. There, there is somebody who is publicly healing that. Um, and so it's, it's awareness and self-responsibility and asking for help. Um, 
and definitely coaching and therapy was a huge part of it for me and and the practices of going inwards the practices of embodying my body and going inwards and a lot of that was meditation meditation was like huge for me and when I somebody first suggested I meditate years and years ago I was like but I why would I want to do nothing I was like such a hustler like every month I was like I want to do another course that will help me be a better doctor and I want to do another postgraduate exam and another qualification and this is that and so doing nothing just felt ridiculous and then I had an amazing experience of meditation the first time I did it it was like I was like oh my god oh my god and it was just amazing it's just I tuned in to this part of me that I just hadn't I don't think ever tuned into tuned into so it's like sitting in meditation movement um I found tapping emotional freedom technique really helpful journaling being vulnerable when you feel like it's safe for you to be vulnerable whether with someone in your life or a professional um and identifying like what are my limiting beliefs what am how am I at cause this what is it that I'm believing about myself and the world and how can I question that and question that and question that and question that and constantly question these thoughts and these beliefs because you know those beliefs have gotten me thus far and if I want to create a new world for myself a new experience of what it is to be me I'm gonna have to use a different like blueprint a different a different I need to come from it. I need my foundation, I need to change at like a foundational level. And that starts with like my thoughts and my limiting beliefs about who I am and who I need to be and the world around me. So I, when I work one-to-one to people, we do a lot of meditation together and we do a lot of limiting belief work um, and a lot of self-responsibility, um, not to blame, but how am I at cause in this? And that feels so powerful because so despairing. We're like, it's their fault. This happened in my childhood. And that happened. And you never deserved that wound. But you absolutely deserve the healing. You absolutely deserve the enlightenment. You absolutely deserve the growth, um, enlightenment that you can get as a result of that wound. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I've said this before too, quite often, it's not our fault that those things happen, but it is our responsibility to heal. And I think part of the reason why there's so much hesitation around going deep into that pain is because of the answers that may come to us, which I think can be scary. Um, I know it was scary for me at times. But there's so much liberation after the fact. And and I think if people really took that leap of faith, they would see, you know, like often those answers, as difficult as they can be, they can help us so much and they can free us from so much pain otherwise that we would carry for for a long time, um, unfortunately, if, if we didn't do anything about it. And, um, and I think part of it is also... there's an aspect of trauma that we may have picked up uh, in childhood, but there's often trauma that we inherit. And, you know, as at the beginning, we talked about you and I having similar, uh, I guess, experiences with parents moving. There's often generational trauma that even comes from, uh, I find, like, I've seen that with my parents, like just 
uprooting their lives and moving to a new country, there's often that trauma that we can inherit. But for some people, it could be other forms of trauma, whether it was a war or, or just, you know, um, leaving, leaving their countries for war related reasons, all kinds of stuff. Right. So, so there's that aspect as well. And I think we can break that generational trauma to through the healing and, and some of the things you've described here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it definitely takes something, but I totally agree that like the transgenerational trauma can end with us to some, to some degree, not that it's like, you know, all on our shoulders, but definitely. And I think a lot of the people I work with are from ethnic minorities or have come from parents who've had very traumatic um, backgrounds, upbringings on a personal and kind of political level, societal level, a lot of trauma in the culture and the community. And you can, even when you're in a place of safety, if you've come from war or from a place of famine or poverty, um, even if you're now in a place of safety, like you said, like the title of the book, The Body Keeps the Score and you can constantly be in a state of fight and flight and survival. And there is still so much to fear and to worry about and so much to be angry about. Um, and those people, they're not necessarily feeling safe within them. It's like living a life where you constantly feel on the defense. You constantly feel like I need to defend myself. I need to protect myself. I need to survive. I need to feel secure. And so you're constantly in a state of fight and flight. And there is a lot of anxiety and high energy and you're bringing up kids in that environment. So it's very, it's very reactive. You're very active. Um, it's hard to be emotionally available. It's hard to like, it's, it's hard. It's kind of like a parent that's constantly triggered. Um, who's not able to sit and like be with their feelings because they, yeah, there's so much unprocessed trauma and that's not to like blame those generations at all. And so that state of like fear is almost like passed down um, and it can make it harder when there's been a lot of trauma, trauma to form healthy attachments and healthy relationships and to self-regulate and to self-soothe and to emotionally manage, um, especially if we were around people growing up who, who weren't able to emotionally manage and weren't able to self-soothe. And it was normal to like not speak to somebody for days or to like completely unleash on somebody verbally if you were triggered, if all that was normal. Um, and so we're not taught to self-regulate and emotionally manage. And then that can that can manifest itself in our in our adult, in our adult relationships, because it's it's kind of not about being um when you're when you've experienced so much trauma when you're in in something traumatic it's about survival of course it's about survival it's about literally just making sure that you're alive um that's not a time when you're going to be like oh let me stop and meditate you know that sounds ridiculous let me stop and manage my emotions it's like you know you're you're fighting for your life and so it's kind of that that energy even then when you are in a place of safety and let's say your basic needs are being met and that you're in a safe country and you have 
food and you have a supply of clean water um, and you're financially okay, they're still like, oh, we we need to almost like, um, it's easy for those patients to, let's say, not not engage. And that's because if they, we call them, we say that we label them as people who don't engage just because they don't feel safe or for them to come across is rude but actually they're still i'm in in a state of like self-defense they're still trying to defend themselves or their sometimes behavior can seem oh this is attention seeking but no it's just they it's almost like attachment they're seeking attachment because they don't have those safe those safe attachments they didn't have those safe attachments growing up because it was about you know survival and trying to make sure you're alive and getting your basic needs met um and in trauma, we get cut off from our body. Like we get cut off from our body. And, and it's hard to even know, well, what do I need right now? What is it that I need? Um, what is the emotion that I'm experiencing? How do I self-soothe? Um, and um, uh, yeah, and it's definitely, it takes so much awareness and so much practice that I see a lot of generations doing that have you know come from those kind of kind of families um yeah it's 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 like a topic that really really fascinates me transgenerational intergenerational trauma yeah yeah and 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 I think part of the the frustration for people can come from not knowing what the source of it is uh especially Mm -hmm. if, if you know, if you can't figure it out from your own life or, or your mm-hmm. own childhood, but that's where I think therapy or coaching is so valuable because you can often get the help or assistance of another person who can guide you through that and often even identify it because it's buried so deep. Um, and, and one of the other things I like to remind people, because we've talked about a, a lot of the healing and identifying the source of the pain and where it started, but that is a never ending journey as well, because there's always going to be something that's going to come up and, and we may need to heal. And I think that's, I, I believe most people understand that, but I think it's still worth stating because you know, we may think that, oh, I've healed this huge part of my life from my childhood that kept reoccurring. But then a few months later, you're in a relationship and, and you get triggered again for something mm-hmm. completely different. And yeah. often that could feel like frustrating because you're like, oh, man, like now I have to work through this. But I think that's the the journey of life. And, and it's that aspect of healing is, is never ending. And, and we need to often embrace that and accept it. Any, yeah, go ahead. Totally, 100%, 100%. And I see so many people that I work with as a coach, they get frustrated when they're like, this is happening again and again and again. And actually a big part of um, like healing for me or a big part of this, just loving life more, loving myself more is just kind of being okay with it all, being okay when fear comes up, when anxiety comes up, when sadness comes up, when guilt come up, just being okay, being like we're humans we're made for the human experience, we're made to experience a rainbow of emotions, there aren't humans that just experience happiness, or just experience joy, and then sadness is for some, we experience all of it, and just being okay with all of it, like, almost now when I'm sad, I'm like, 
say to myself, how can you enjoy this? How can you enjoy this? And I'm like, okay, I work so many jobs. I'm like, okay, you're so sad. You don't want to see people. This is your permission to just be in bed and like look after yourself. It's like, how how can you enjoy it? And like, okay, you're angry. Like, okay, great. What's there's this fire inside you. How can we use that for good? Or what's underneath that? What is there? Is, is there a limiting belief or a sadness or something that needs to be healed? I like can get curious and excited about it. And that's, yeah, I think that's part of, it's like when you fall in love with your baby, you have a sister who has kids and she's always saying how in love, with her, in love with them she is. You're in love with your baby when they're tantruming and when they're sleeping and when they're giggling and when they're just whatever being whatever like you're in love with them through all of that and I think a big part of like being in love with life being in love with yourself but loving yourself through through all of it when the fear comes up when the stuff comes up again like that's the human experience we'd be so bored if we just had happiness or we just had joy we would be so bored and if we knew exactly what was going to come we again we would be really bored but sometimes it's like oh I think I've healed that and then something else comes or like oh it comes at me again but in a different angle and people can feel so frustrated because suddenly they feel like a failure. But it's like, no, it's coming at you now, but you have so much more. You're a different person. It's how you, it's always how you, how you react to it. You're reacting to it in a different way. You're able to receive it in a different way. It, it doesn't need to be painful this time. It doesn't need to be, um, it doesn't need to be, there doesn't need to be suffering or struggle. And there might be, I often say like, there is a certain number of times that you need to go through something before you kind of expand and grow. So every time it happens, that's a stepping stone forward. That's like you're failing forwards. Um, and I have a friend, a colleague who did, who did my like one of my limiting belief workshops. And then afterwards, she's like, every time I apply for a job and I get rejected, I celebrate because I know in, in, in her head, she's like, I know a hundred and something rejections and I'm going to get the job of my dreams. So it's like every time she doesn't get it, she like celebrates. Um, and yeah. And, and, and it's like, if you have an addiction to something and the, we want the journey to like, look like this, but really like, it looks like this. And when there's a dip, that's still, that's still like a, uh, uh, that's still a step forward in your journey. It's like you have to, it's almost like you have to have a, a certain number of relapses to get you to where you want to be. Um, and so celebrate the relapse, celebrate when the fear happens again, celebrate when it comes up again, because that means that you're you're closer and every time it happens, you're different. You can't, you'll deal with it differently. The, just the fact that you have awareness over it is, is hugely, is hugely, um, is, is, you know, it's life-changing, the fact that you have an awareness that you're looking at it with a different set of eyes. Yeah, and, and just to build on that, I think one of the things I've experienced is we often get frustrated with our reaction as well. So one of the things, you know, I picked up on you're talking about by th- having love for ourselves and compassion for ourselves, it's, it's recognizing that, okay, you know, yes, you reacted and you've done all this work, but it's, it's still something new and, and you're, you are going to react emotionally or physically and it's having compassion for yourself through that as well. And, and I think quite often, at least in my experience, because I've been doing a lot of work on my own healing, when I do react, I create this shame cycle for myself, which almost makes it worse because I'm like, well, I shouldn't have reacted that way. But it's, it's again, reminding myself to have that compassion and working through it. 
And to your point, recognizing that every time something comes up, what, even if it's something from the past or if it's something new I wasn't aware of, I'm getting better at it through awareness and through compassion for myself. I'm able to work through it and, again, be in a better place. But I think often people get stuck in that, oh, I've done all this healing. Yeah. And now I should be this emotional ninja. But it that's not the case, unfortunately, because those those triggers are quite often new at times too. Or or we need to go through the same experience, as you mentioned, over and over, maybe a few times until we finally piece it together and and learn from it and grow from it. So it's having patience because uh, sometimes we, we also get attached to having an answer and, and sometimes the answer takes a, uh, takes a while for us to see or figure out. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. And I've definitely been there where I'm like, Oh my God, like you're reacting again. You're getting annoyed. You're getting triggered again. You've done all this work. You're not meant to be like triggered. You're not meant to be like angry anymore. And um, I had a recent situation last month where I like experienced an anger that I hadn't experienced in like years. And I was totally judging myself. I'm like, you're meant to be helping people with this. And you're like so triggered. And I tried to do so many different techniques to just like work through the anger. And actually like totally that anger was meant for me. And I just needed to be patient and tender with myself and just kind of be like, oh, darling, we're angry right now. You're angry right now and it's okay. Like how you might be if you were, how you might be with a, with a child tantruming, like it's okay. Like, you know, you're not getting what you wanted, what you want, you're angry, you're frustrated and that's okay. And you're human. And, and it totally, it was a totally positive experience. It's definitely like up leveled me. And, but, but I was like, why is this happening? What is the meaning? What's the meaning? I need to know the meaning. And you know, it's just like patience and like being okay with like not knowing and with, you can like love yourself and be angry at the same time. Just how you can like love your toddler when he or she are tantruming at the same time. And it's like Brené Brown says for shame, we need like secrecy and silence and judgment. And it's like, okay, well, what if I just said like, to, to a coach, to my therapist, my best friend, like this happened and I reacted like this to somebody where I felt safe and then it's no longer secret, it's no longer silence and you realize, oh, it's okay. Actually, when you say it aloud, you're like, oh, I'm just, I was just a human being a human. And then with no judgment, we're just being like, oh, like how we can sometimes look at kids and not judge them and be like, oh, well, they're reacting like that because they went, this, that, this happened and this happened. And then just like looking at yourself like, with that same like so easy to have empathy and compassion for for a child um but just coming to yourself with that same just curiosity and empathy and compassion and i have actually one one of my seniors um where i work uh where we work with people who are experiencing hopelessness and she's like when does it change when we see a child who's gone through so many diverse childhood events and we have so much empathy so much so much charity so much compassion for them and then they're an adult and they're let's say using drugs and using alcohol and they're experiencing homelessness and suddenly we have so much we can have so much judgment towards them like when does it switch over um and it's like yeah it's it's the same with ourselves just getting curious and once we get through that first line of defense like our initial reaction which can be like fight and flight we either run away or want to like attack somebody even if it's just with our with our words or with our judgment 
once we get through that first line of defense, there's like so much more underneath there to discover. There's a world underneath there of like peace and joy and spaciousness. And actually we can find the parts of us that are really calm. And I think underneath we keep going, we go deeper and deeper. At the core, it's love. It's always love. Um, and one of my favorite authors always says, everything is love or a call for love. Everything is like love or a call for love. So it's like the child tantruming, what do they need? Me reacting, what, how, in what way am I like, is this a call for love? In what way do I need love, which I'm seeking through validation or this or that, X, Y, Z. And how can I ask for that? Or how can I give that to myself? How can I yeah. figure out what it is that I really need here? Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And, and I think for me, what I find is the judgment, to your point, often blocks the healing because we're so focused on uh, judging ourselves for how we showed up rather than working through that. And and unfortunately, that ends up preventing us from really healing. We, we just create this cycle of shame, uh, as you mentioned. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's 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 amazing. And and one of the things there's a quote by Russell Barkley where he says, "The people who need the most love ask for it in the most unloving ways." So it's being aware of that when um, I know for me, often when anger comes to the surface, it's it's something I've really worked on. But I almost feel guilty for being angry. But it's recognizing that perhaps it's the 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 inner child in me who's wanting to be loved in that moment and that's where that source of anger is so um yeah no thank you uh rula for sharing all that thank you for coming on here and having this amazing conversation with me i've learned so much today and i hope the listeners do as well but uh before we come to an end here for for listeners that want to find you or reach out to you, what are some ways they can do that, whether it's social media or online? Yeah, that's very kind of you to ask. So they could go to my Instagram. That's probably the easiest way. My Instagram is the meditating medic, no spaces. Um, and there they can DM me, usually open to DMs, or um, I always offer everybody one free coaching call without any like without any need to commit to more. Um, and so they could book that through my link tree on my Instagram, um, or they could email me, which is the meditating medic at gmail.com. And I have a lot of, on my Instagram TV, I have a lot, dozens of meditations, um, guided meditations that they can do um, as well. So yeah. Cool, well, thank you again. Appreciate it very much. Thank you so, 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 so much. I'm so grateful to you for this time and yeah for just giving me the space and the time to talk and voice my opinion thank you very much you're welcome thank you for tuning in to another episode as always please subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy the episodes or leave a comment in the comment section i always love hearing from you thank you again and until next week